0: friends and welcome to the happy hour. My name is Jamie Ivey and I'm your host every single week right here on the happy hour podcast with Jamie Ivey. I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time, welcome. If this is your 37th time, I'm glad you're still sticking around. The happy hour podcast is just what it sounds. It is a conversation between two women talking about real life things. We talk about things that matter. We talk about frivolous things. We talk about things that you would chat with your girlfriends about and you get to join along with us. I'm super honored to have amazing women join me every week on this show, and today is no different. Today, my guest is Trisha Davis. Trisha and I met a few years ago at a conference, and I have been a fan of hers ever since. This podcast, we talk a lot about marriage and mothering. Her first son is leaving for college soon. Her and her husband, Justin, run a ministry called Refine Us, and they released a book a few years ago called Beyond Ordinary. Trisha is graciously giving away a couple copies of her book. So go ahead and head over to my website, jamieid.com. It is super simple to enter. You just leave a comment and then I'll choose a winner in a week. And you're going to really, really love this book. I want to say thank you to a couple people who have contacted me via Twitter. I love that. If you want to send me a message, my handle is at Jamie underscore Ivy. I love meeting you guys there. Janice said, does anyone else find an excuse to go for a drive so they can listen to Jamie Ivy's podcast? Asking for a friend. Janice, that made me a good Thank you so much. Candy Hansen said on Twitter, I need to hear about the Uganda trip and your DC trip ASAP on the happy hour. Living vicariously and cannot wait. Candy, I want to let you know one of my girlfriends who actually traveled with me to Uganda is going to be coming on the show soon. Um, her name is Winter Pitts, and she was there with us, and so I know that we'll talk about our Uganda trip for sure. Speaking of upcoming guests, I have some great guests coming up for you. Jessica Thompson, who's been on the show before. I believe it was Happy Hour number 25, and she has a book coming up, will be on soon. And Shana Nyquist, who is one of my favorite authors, will be coming up soon as well. She has a new devotional out called Savor, got a couple of those to give away. I also have Melanie Dale coming up and Melanie has a new book coming out in May as well. And then Tasha Morrison, who's a girlfriend of mine here that I've been in a racial reconciliation group with for the past year is joining us. And my friend Winter, who's on the You Soul Hope Uganda trip. So I have a lot of great guests coming up. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for telling your friends about the happy hour. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes, go over there and do that. It's super easy. And then it comes to your device every time there's a new show guys, thanks for listening. Here is my friend, Trisha. Hi. Hi. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the happy hour. I'm so excited. I'm just excited to be with you. So I this know. is like a win-win. I've been looking forward to this forever. So we first met, I think it's funny. We first met at the very first If Gathering. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. And we yeah. just started chatting and mm-hmm. i remember leaving the conversation just thinking i want to know her more that was i i loved that conversation and then fast forward to the next year which was just a couple months ago we yeah. saw each other again at the next if yeah and chatted and i felt the same way yeah
1: i think last year at if it was more getting to know all of the people that were involved mm-hmm. in our you know our different circles of people and i think this year was i was a little more torn because i had actual friends that I invited who had never been to if before. So then it was like, you know, almost kind of walking two different roads of being a friend and then being, you know, Jamie ministry girl, ministry girl. Yeah. So, um, but it was still fun. I just felt like it was so short that I didn't get to connect like I did last year. So
0: we need to have like a pre if and a post if for everyone that comes in. Ah, that would be so fun. Yeah so yeah. fun. Okay. So Tricia, you have three boys Mm-hmm. And you and your husband live in Nashville for right now.
1: I know. Right.
0: <laughs> but you have a move coming up that we'll talk about in a minute, but, um, how old are your kids?
1: So my oldest, Micah is 18 and just weeks away from graduating. Are you going to cry? Really, like, Oh, like when we talk about it today, do you think you'll cry? I don't think so. Cause I've cried all this past year. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I might I think, cry for you. <laughs> Yeah, and then I Elijah, my middle son, uh, he just turned sixteen, just got his driver's license, so that's a whole other yes. you know new chapter. And then my youngest Isaiah, he's twelve, um, but he's our gentle giant. He's like two inches taller than me, and I'm five six. At, at 12. So wow. he's he's
0: huge. So I don't feel like I have a 12 year old. No. I feel like I have all like big kids because my oldest is 11 and I'm still taller than him. And he's on the tall side. Like, you know, he's not a short kid and I'm still taller than him. So your son is tall.
1: Yeah. All of them. Yeah. So you're going to get there. Yeah. You're going to our beach picture from spring break. Now it wasn't fair because the, the beach was slanted, <laughs> yes. but where I was standing, I looked like I was, I don't know, 5'2". And I'm like, I'm not that small, I promise. All
0: these big boys. (laughs) Okay, so, boy, mom, I have a girlfriend. A lot of my girlfriends are still having kids, which I'm far removed from that, Um, as you are. We have older kids, and I love big kids. Love big kids. Um, But one of my girlfriends has two girls, and she just found out she's having a boy. And honestly, it's been a very hard pill for her to swallow, because she knows girls. Like yeah. she knows girls, she likes girls, she doesn't like sports. And so she's a little worried about this, but I'm always telling her that boys are absolutely awesome. They are. They are. And I
1: mean, there's a reason that the term mama's boy exists uh-huh. because they are, they're like ooey gooey. And I know, yeah. I mean they're rambunctious and they do things that they shouldn't, but yeah, I love, I it.
0: love it. But I, I, I have one girl. And so I've always said, if I had to have three of her, I think I would just <laughs> lose my mind. So God was gracious, and I just have one girl because girls, little girls. I mean, and I think all the way up till they like get a little bit more mature, there's a lot of drama that comes with them, you know. Yep. And I feel yep. like that we're not getting yep. that with the boys. So yeah, I love boys. Yeah,
1: yeah. well, I really want to adopt. That's kind of like my next journey. That... I didn't
0: know this about you.
1: Yeah, it's been like. Four years, and okay. I think Justin's a little nervous. It's more out of a response to, you know, but I, I don't know. I There'll be, we have so much transition coming up this year, so I know. Um, my next-door neighbor who, her husband, she's a lawyer. Her husband's on staff at Cross Point and he, they adopted uh, Deborah, gosh, maybe three years ago now, and she's from Ethiopia, and so that just, like, really sent me over the edge, but I don't know. I just. I feel I'm 39 years old and I have all these older kids and I feel like our home is a safe home. Justin, and I love each other. We, we love life. It's like we could give that mm-hmm. to another child yeah. and, or I, but it won't be one. Like I'm like, if we adopt, it'll, it'll have to be two or more. Like, yeah. cause we can't, I don't want
0: just to do one, one only child. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And so I, I feel like we have so much more in us. I don't know. It just feels like it's this free gift yeah. and we're not going to use it yeah. when we could be using it for what? The alternative to things being a little bit more easier, right. but
0: yeah, I don't know. Good for know. y'all. You know, we lived in Murfreesboro before we moved to Austin. And so we oh, were- I didn't know that Yeah, we lived there five years. Oh, wow. And that's where we started all of our adoptions. And people always ask, like, did you always want to adopt? And I don't ever remember Aaron and I ever having a conversation as young married, like, let's build our family through adoption. Because it seems, I mean, we have three kids through adoption and one biological. So it seems like this would have been Mm -hmm. something we thought out. But it just kind of happened. But when we lived in Murfreesboro, we went to church with um, Stephen and Mary Beth Chapman's brother and sister-in-law. And so... Crazy because Yolanda Stephen, and Jim,
1: is that, oh, oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, it's Mary Beth's brother, I believe. Yes. Okay. And so they were adopting, the Chapmans were adopting, and then some other people are my friend Gwen Oatesfall was adopting. And so we're this young married couple and we have a baby. We have like a, a six month old baby. And we just seen people adopting all around us. And that's how God actually stirred our heart towards adoption was living in Nashville. And I felt like everywhere I looked, I was involved in a play group at, um, that was at Mary Beth's house with all of these little girls from China. And I'm, that's how I always say, like, that's how we ended up building our family. way. So it's just where we were, we were surrounded by people adopting. And so God used that to move See, our hearts. And that's, that's where we're
1: at. So my boys, my older boys, they went to public school until high school And then they went to Christ Presbyterian, where that's where we've met Stephen and Mary Bath. And then Shoei is like really close with my middle son, Elijah. I mean, he he and Shoei were just here this morning because they have half day. So they did breakfast together and they came over here Uh and just being around them. And then my oldest, Micah, is good friends with Grace Maronick, which is uh, Susan is from. Yeah. So like. So I go to Micah's games and I'm surrounded by all these babies. And so, yeah, yes. So that's just so, that's so interesting. Isn't that crazy? I think for me, I grew up, not growing up, my, the past 20 years of being married, my sister, she has four kids. They all have different dads. All have been in jail. One has been murdered. Um, I don't know if you saw on my uh, Instagram feed about losing my niece. And that's actually my great niece. So my sister's uh, daughter who had her second baby in December at the age of 16 mm-hmm. or 17. Mm-hmm. So I've always had this fear that something would happen to my sister mm-hmm. and I would have to not have to, but I wanted to be able to right. take those mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. They're like my own kids. Right. But now that they're teenagers and they're older, I feel like I've kind of been released from that. Yeah. To, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just very. That's so interesting. I didn't. I had no idea. I'm gonna have to tell Mary about that. That's just. That is so funny. You know, I mean, so I, I've just I feel kind like of that was forever
0: ago. But I feel like God does that sometimes. Like I even feel like just Aaron and I moving to Austin when we came to our church, I didn't know anybody else that was adopting, and now. Mm the list of people that I can tell you through our church who are doing foster care or adopting is just so long. And so I feel like God kind of used our family here for that. Whereas other people he had used to do that in our life. So I love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of with the situation with my niece. So she is a two year old and it was the almost four month old, um, little girl, Elena, who died. I saw and so,
0: that. Oh, my gosh. I was trying to piece together pieces, but I didn't really understand it all. It's a mess.
1: And, like, trying to be protective of everyone involved. But, like, my mom literally just texted me about a half hour before you and I chatted that it was out of negligence. Mm. And this isn't the first time with the baby. When the baby is 11 days old, she went into the hospital with bruises. And um, and I just found out this morning that basically the dad's getting off, like, mm. I'm in I just in shock. But because of that situation, Jaden, the two year old, got sent into foster care. And so I'm like, well, maybe, maybe that will be our calling because we're a good family and we there's healthy people around them, but we're not foster care parents, so we couldn't take him. And I'm like, there was something there in the midst of losing this baby in the drama behind it, knowing that Jaden was in a safe place was amazing mm-hmm. and so I'm like I don't know maybe God will so I'm just kind of ready for that yeah. next transition of where we're gonna live mm-hmm. and make that but I mean Mary Beth would put me on an airplane right now and be like
0: yes you know, yeah
1: let's yeah. let's do this let's and do this. you know Carlos Carlos and Heather Whitaker you mm-hmm. know we do life with them and so like with Losaya, it is it just when you see the the beautiful side of it but I know it's hard right I know it's hard but I mean I've had a kid since I was 21 yeah So it's not like I know any different. And it's not like I have this, like, I can't wait to be kid free. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you just said, like, you have all these people in your life that you've seen them walk through it. So you do see the beautiful side, but you even, I love that you said, I know it's hard. Like you see that as well. So I feel like close friends that walk through with us, they're not going Mm -hmm. into adoption. Like I'm going to save a kid's life and pat myself on the back because I did this. They're going in being like, I've seen Jamie and Aaron, like, like, crawl on their hands and knees through this, you know? And like, they've seen yes. the hard stuff.
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: that's good. Yeah. And just
1: even seeing the difference between Showy and Stevie Joy, totally same circumstances and two totally different kids. Yeah. Totally different kids in their struggles and their demeanor. And, you know, it's just part of it. But they have a safe place mm-hmm. to be those people, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, that couple, okay, so the couple that you were talking about, that you, the her in-laws, mm-hmm. or her... I think it's... They she, just...
0: They, I feel like they just adopted another little girl. They did, Jamie. Yes. So how many and she's kids do like, they have? And she's she's deathly sick. Oh, like, she
1: will not make it. They
0: knew that? Like, they...
1: Yes. Oh. Yes. She has a heart condition. She's had it for so long that... There's nothing that can be done with it. So they brought this baby girl back to the States to die and give her the best life that she can have until she passes.
0: Oh my gosh. I just That's why chills. I did not know that. And and when, when Mary Beth said that,
1: I'm like, Oh, I mean, wow. I never, I never would have thought that. Mm-hmm. So like her lips are real blue show. was telling me this morning that her, Her fingertips are blue. Her toes are blue because her blood isn't circulating anymore. But even the way Shoei talked about it was so normal. Like, it's just very normal that you would bring a child in that they all know is going to pass, especially with their story.
0: And they're all okay with it. Not okay with it, but. But they see, it's not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing it. It's just like, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. 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 So,
1: Uh I don't know. Okay. I'm just waiting for God to say when. We'll see what's going to happen.
0: That'll be our next uh, next podcast. You have podcast. a lot of change in front of you. I can't wait to see this all unfold. Um, okay, so your oldest son is graduating. Yep. Does he have plans and for the fall? He is playing basketball
1: for Indiana Wesleyan University. It's in like. Do you know
0: Indiana? I've been to Indiana. I went
1: there last fall. I went to
0: Indianapolis. That's about all I know. Okay.
1: It sits north. East of the city, about like two, maybe two hours, an hour and a half. Okay, so and you're moving far. to where? Indianapolis. So, very, we'll be like an hour and a half from him. That is amazing. We'll be fun because we'll get to watch some of his games. And people are like, So, is that why you're moving? I'm like, Heck no. <laughs> I'm like,
0: I love Nashville. Are you crazy? Right, right. And that would be a really and dumb decision that like, uh, hopefully your, your friends would talk you out of.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. And he wants to
0: live out, uh, out west for a couple of years. So I'm like, "No." But that so, is fun that yeah. you get to watch him play still. Okay, so graduation, all this kind of stuff, you said you've cried all year. Is every this but you Okay, so explain this to us mamas that haven't been where you are right now. You have yeah. more kids coming up, but it's the first for everything. Mm-hmm. So is that why it's so hard? I
1: think what becomes so overwhelming is this reality when they, when they become freshmen, there's a part of you that comes to this realization that the letting go, you, you go from uh, nurturing to coaching. So you really have to watch how you involve yourself. You know, you need to let them figure out how to do laundry. You need to let them problem solve. And then it's your job to coach them alongside them as they make that decision and give them the room to come to you With issues Uh where middle school, elementary, you're problem solving for them. You know, you have these conversations and you'll say, well, buddy, that's probably not a wise choice. You know, you lead them to that. And then high school hits. And so there's that transition. And then there's the driving transition, which is I don't think you're ever ready for, I've met some moms that have been like, I'm so ready for them to drive, but there's something about your child getting into the car. And yeah, you have all those like fears and anxieties of like, oh, I hope he doesn't get into an accident, right. but it's more of the reality of this independence. Like this child legally can drive anywhere in the country that he wants to.
0: If I tell him he can't do this, he can get into a car and go do it anyways.
1: He could. Yeah. Right. Good. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, we've not had that, but it's just, it's this, you know, it's like when your children start walking, you're like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, they're walking. You can't undo that. It's just this new revelation that your child is getting bigger. When you take them to kindergarten, you know, even if you homeschool, there's this responsibility that, oh, I have got to journey him through kindergarten and the concepts. Like it's still, regardless if you homeschool or you drop them off somewhere, that reality sets in. Right. That's what driving is. It's the finality of him or her being in your home and really stepping into independence. And so then junior year is, I think junior year is the best year. That's when you're, you're in your groove, you're getting excited. You're talking about colleges, you're talking about dreams, but they're not realities yet. Because you still one more year. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. And then The seniors graduate, you know, your child's a junior and their friends that are seniors graduate and then it hits you, this is going to be you next year. And so for the next months ahead, you know, I've even talked to Justin about maybe creating a a mama's journal Uh to be able to there. I couldn't find anything to process my emotions and then channel that emotions. Cause you have a choice. You have a choice to make your child feel really guilty for what is normal and natural Mm -hmm. And then they miss out on the beauty of this, or you can be real with your emotions and real with them and then figure out how to champion them in the midst of it.
0: You know, I had a good friend when when we lived in Nashville, my friend Shauna, and I had babies then, you know, and so when you have a baby, you cannot even fathom your kid leaving, you can't fathom yeah. them going to college, driving, nothing, because they're just your babies. And she has kids stages ahead of me. So her oldest just got married. And so that's where she is in life. But I remember saying to her, like, how do you let them do these things? Like, how do they go to college? How do you let them drive? Like, how does all of this stuff happen? And she said to me something she'll never forget. She's like, but by that time you've loved them well and you prepared them that you're actually ready for that to happen because it's the next step in life. Right. And I've always thought about that because I'm like. Look, I could cry because my son's going to sixth grade next year. I just got teary eyed thinking about that because we have all these new things like youth group. And that's a good thing. And it's at our church that we love, but it's right. new and I'm not going right. to be there with him. And he's going to be in like a small group with boys I don't know. I mean, all of these new things that, yeah. that I sometimes want to just be like, no, I'm just going to hold you in here and everything's safe at our home. But the reality mm-hmm. is I don't want to be that mom. You know, yeah. I'm not, not going to be that yeah. mom, but I just remember her always saying like, when the time comes, they'll be ready. And so have you felt yeah. that way with each new step, like junior year, senior year, not going off to college? I have. And I, and
1: then I've also got to experience the beauty of them coming back. You know, each of my kids have different love languages and my oldest, uh, he's not a emotional feeler. Like he's not going to be one to express his emotions, but he is totally physical touch. So envision the six, three, you know, totally cut basketball looking kid. And he still likes to hold his mama's hand in the mall. Like that's just right. It's just who he is. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, you learn to appreciate that season. And and so to answer your question, I would say yes. And then painfully, no, it's, I think it's the hardest with your oldest because it is, like you said, so new. Mm-hmm. And middle school is so scary.
0: Oh, my god! You feel. Yes.
1: You know, youth group is so scary. But then you get to see, and I've said this to our youth pastors, I've said it to your small group leaders, that God has given us as moms this specific role in our child's life. And it's, it's specific to the point where we can't meet all of those needs. And so when you start seeing godly men or seeing your spouse start to love your boys as they make this transition of mama's boy to Mm -hmm. um, becoming a man, then instead of it being scary, it's replaced by thankfulness. Mm -hmm. Like you're so excited that you have people. And, you know, I've been in youth ministry. My husband and I uh, started youth ministry when we were 18. I mean, we were literally in college doing youth ministry. and One of the things I've always recognized um, through almost two decades of ministry is that students still long for your parents to be involved. Mm -hmm. They still long for, especially a daughter, to hear from their dad, you did a great job. Mm -hmm. It's what seems almost, feels like powerless as they begin this independence, Mm -hmm. then becomes so important for you to continue on saying those things, yeah. even when it feels weird and being comfortable with holding hands with mm-hmm. your 18 year old. who I'm like, this is kind of weird. People <laughs> are gonna, cause I look too young to have him. Let's just be honest. People are going <laughs> to think that like, he's like dating this uh, older woman, you know? Right. Well, not really, but I hope. Yeah. But so yeah, what comes with the heart is also this beautiful, where you just, you know, Maybe you loved the infancy stage and you just long for, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've heard moms get really weepy that they, you know, aren't nursing anymore or they're starting to walk in independence, but then you start to appreciate the independence Mm -hmm. and that helps you just go along with the change because change is coming regardless if you want to or not. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't realize how much I would have to work on my heart Mm. in the midst of that change. I thought it would just come naturally, and I was really hard on myself, almost beating myself up that I was struggling so much. Yeah. Because I've been in youth ministry for 20 years. Like
0: I should know how to do this. I've made fun of parents like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Um, I say all the time that parenting is by far my biggest struggle and my biggest like, hey, let's shine all the light on my sin. Like, it is, it's so difficult for me because I want, I have the desire more than anything else to do it so well. Like- I want my kids to love Jesus. I want my kids to know how much I love them. Um, and I was just reading this morning, just my friend Jessica Thompson has a new book out about grace, and she was talking about um, you know about loving people even when they don't love us back. And I, I'm thinking about my parents and I'm like so many times, if my kids are not reacting the way I want them to react, I kind of am like, well, I'll show you. And I just thought, man, my biggest thing is I want my kids to know that I love Jesus. And so I'm actually not doing that by treating them that way. So parenting is hard for me, but it's something that I do not take lightly at all. Like I want to do it well, you know, um, which brings me to this. I want to ask you this question. I just thought of this the other day. So you and your husband, Justin have a book out called beyond ordinary. How long? When did this book come out? I think two years ago. Okay. Now. Okay. Yeah. And the tagline underneath it is "When a good marriage just isn't good enough." And mm-hmm. so you guys kind of journal through the first how many years of your marriage? is this? I mean, it starts from the beginning. And then what would you say right. it goes through how many years?
1: Pretty current, up to date from when the book released okay. to really the first 10 years we'll be married, uh, 20 years this July, which is nuts. crazy, And it's kind of like decade one. Uh And, uh, then the story of our marriage falling apart and really learning about, you know, the marriage that God has always called us to, that we both just missed out on Mm -hmm. Uh, some of it intentionally and some of it having no idea how easily, just like in parenting, you start to drift in your relationship And then you've drifted so far that it finally gets your attention. Like we we are way off course. Yeah.
0: Okay. Just, I want to talk a lot more about this, but I want to ask you my question. So no spoiler alert. The book is about um, when your husband, Justin had an affair and y'all walk through that. But I read this whole book knowing what happened. And I was like, not that I wanted to get to the dirty stuff, but I was like, y'all don't even talk about this till the very end. And I loved that. Trisha. I loved it because it wasn't like. Oh, here's all the bad stuff that happened and how we fixed it. But you really talked about, here's how we drifted apart. You know, here's how it's happened. And I appreciated it so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I've walked through some close people with um, this this kind of stuff. And so this book was so wonderful for me. All that to say, um, just the other day, we're talking with our kids and – Before Easter, I think we were watching the Bible story on Netflix, which I highly recommend for parents that have older kids. Anyhow, we said something about sin, and I said something about when I sin. And one of my kids, I'm embarrassed to say this out loud, one of my kids looked at me and he said, you sin, Mom? And I was like, oh, Oh my gosh, (laughs) where have I gone wrong in my parenting? What just happened here? But he was like, you sin? And I was like, oh, my gosh, buddy, I sin every day. Like, I am a sinner just Mm -hmm. like you. And he was like, oh, I didn't know that you sinned. And in that moment, I thought... I have misrepresented something here with him, or maybe we just haven't talked about it recently. You know, you have to tell your kids stuff a hundred times the same thing. So my thing is I apologize to my kids a lot, but I don't think my kids were recognizing what I was doing as sin, but just what they Mm -hmm. were doing as sin. And I know that you've talked to me about how your kids were older when you and Justin walked through this. How was that? Like, how was that parenting and like walking through this, difficult season in your marriage where you're like, your kids are seeing the sin, but you're pointing them to God's grace. How was that? Yeah. You know, to
1: put it in a a shorter, shortest answer as possible without seeming crass, but you, you, you nailed it. Like the book isn't about an affair. And I think when you talk to people who have had reconciliation or maybe their marriage didn't reconcile it ended a divorce, they'll tell you that the affair is just a symptom of much greater issues. You know, the affair is what gets people's attention. The affair for me was the drifting that happened that finally made me look up and realize But it's it's that same principle that you just said of, you know, we all sin. It's just recognizing it and who's recognizing it around us. And Justin and I were like the poster children. We were church planners at a time where church plants were failing. Um, when we planted almost over 10 years ago, 80% of church plants failed the way that we planted. Mm-hmm. So here we are, this thriving three-year church plant, over 800 people coming. We have these three little boys. I mean, we were like Instagram ready, right. you know,
0: before Instagram. you your perfect ready, yeah.
1: Yeah, but nobody recognized um, how much we were falling apart at the seams. And I think for a lot of us, we get into marriage, we get into ministry, and we just naturally, I think, drift to good things. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talk about in the book about milestones and achievements. You know, we, those are all good things. You know, we have our first baby or, you know, for your story, your first adoption and career changes, all of those things. And for Justin and I, somehow, because we were serving God and thinking we would like grow in our character and godly character because we were serving God, that we just have a healthy marriage. Mm-hmm. And then here we find ourselves that the very things that we were achieving became more about who we were. Like, that was our identity. Mm -hmm. That when we recognized, when we had people in our life, like your little man who said, Mom, you sin." Mm -hmm. you know? When people said that to us, it was like our identity was so wrapped up in who we were in ministry as a pastor and pastor's wife that we couldn't admit. I couldn't admit my sin. Mm -hmm. I couldn't admit that I felt like the bride of Christ was a mistress, mm. like forget the, if before the affair, I was already upset with the church, right. but who was I going to admit that right. to? Right. You know, it wasn't until, you know, Justin came home and said, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be married to you. I don't, I don't want to be in ministry. I don't want to follow God. Mm-hmm. And in that, in that confession, it wasn't just, Uh, Justin and I affected, we had these children, you know, my oldest was nine at the time and he had, uh, he was in public school and out of his whole class, he had all but two families in his classroom coming to our church. And when Justin confessed, I mean, we didn't just lose him. We wouldn't just lose because the affair was with my best friend who was also a staff member. We weren't just losing that in our church family. But I think for my boys and I, we were we were losing our identity. Right. In fact, probably a couple of days after um, Justin, it wasn't a confession of remorse. It wasn't like Justin's like, I'm really sorry. Uh, he was done. Mm-hmm. And so I had to respond to that confession. And so I kicked him out. Mm-hmm. And my oldest was more upset, not about us separating and not about Justin being kicked out, but he could not believe that Justin was not going to be the pastor of our church plan anymore. In fact, he said to him, you have to be the pastor because I'm the pastor's son.
0: Wow. Talk about that hit you in the face. Like, where's our identity? Totally. Oh my. Totally. Yeah, totally. But this whole concept,
1: you know, of your children knowing, you know, that we're all sinful nature. The biggest gift beyond finding reconciliation was this public humiliation Mm -hmm. to go, all right, y'all. We are all the Davises are messed
0: up, <laughs> what? you know, like yeah, you know, and you know, what? Instagram no. that, yeah. <laughs> but there's so much freedom in that, and I feel like um, I always say that vulnerability leads to vulnerability, and that when I'm able to be vulnerable with you, you all, you go, oh wow. If she struggles with that, I can share with her what I struggle with, and so I love okay. how you just said humiliation was our best gift because it just laid it all out there. Like this is us. Right right and your boys right. learned that valuable lesson way early on in life right i mean you know some of us are 36 still trying to figure that out <laughs> right yeah and they still see us figuring out mm-hmm. you know
1: what that path looks like i think the beauty when we confess to one another is it's not just confession for the sake of filling it you know in, in saying it it's confession to find healing mm-hmm. when we confess to one another there's healing that follows there's this you know concept that we talk about in the book about being fully known you know coming off of easter you know jesus didn't die for 80 percent of us he died for all of us you know and to be able to live in the freedom of who we are messed up it becomes this beautiful journey of wanting to live this life well on earth yeah even when you fail as a parent even when you fail in your marriage that we have this loving savior that what seems so christianese like when you lose everything Mm -hmm. i say this all the time that rock bottom is still solid surface to stand on
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and so now it was an opportunity for justin and i to start walking in being truthful and you know people say all the time well how did you forgive him like It's always Justin's fault, which is true. Like his choice had the most calamity in our marriage, but I had to make a decision when that happened, if this was going to be about me saying to Justin, when you change and you find restoration, then we can have a good marriage. Mm -hmm. Or if I was going to choose to start praying a dangerous prayer, I think for all of us in our parenting, um, in our marriage relationships in our relationships with friends to say, God change me. And it totally shifts my posture of realizing I am not as good as I think I am because I'm a real
0: follower. Right. So I'm going to do everything right. Yeah. Yes.
1: So are you a real follower?
0: Are you a rule breaker? You know, I would say that I was a rule breaker all my life, but that's, I just didn't know Jesus when I was younger. And so I did a lot of bad things. And so Mm. now in some ways I'm a rule follower because I don't want to get in trouble. But in other ways, like when I walk into church and they have the sign that says, don't bring coffee in, I'm like, surely that doesn't apply to me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Everyone else needs to not bring their coffee in. I'm bringing my coffee in. That's so awful. But that's just like, Hey, I'll break the rule. Um, yeah. Yeah. um, when I said that y'all didn't talk about the affair until the end, I appreciated it so much because I feel like so many marriages are struggling, but they feel like, well, at least this hasn't happened. But you outlined in the entire book the struggles that, like you said, that was just, that was just one little thing. You know, it right. wasn't like the worst thing that, I mean, it seems to the world standards, the worst thing that could have happened, but you laid it out. We had years of issues that nobody knew about because we couldn't talk about. You, you talk in the book about how you actually went to someone and said, Hey, we're struggling. Yeah. And they basically were like, didn't even listen to you, did they? Yeah. That, that moment,
1: um, broke me. Mm. Like that was the moment that broke me and not in a good way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) more in a, I was at a level of bitterness and resentment already in this church
0: and then this, right. mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. It was an elder and his wife and, um, you know, now almost 10 years removed, that relationship has been restored and, they came to recognize it, in, in it as well, which is beautiful that God would even redeem such a hurtful moment. But as we talked about that years later, they just couldn't see it. They just... They the, couldn't see they, what? That you were really hurting or struggling or what? The things that I was confessing, you know, I said yeah. confession leads to...
0: Healing, and yeah.
1: Yeah, but I guess... I'm kind of eating my words because it doesn't always when you, if you're surrounding yourself with fans Uh and not friends and our church became such such fans of the Davises Davises. that they became blinded to what it meant to be a good friend and Mm -hmm. iron sharpens iron. And we use that term all the time, but that's a painful process. When you think of iron on iron, there's nothing soft there. There's nothing, um, it, it creates sparks, right. and it's it you know it's sharp yeah. edge on edge. But you come out beautiful. It's the whole reason we love our ministry. We called it refine us to remove impurities. Takes a lot of hard work. Yeah, and sometimes you get in relationships, and we all do this where we become blinded because we love somebody so much. For sure, and. Here, I'd become vulnerable for the very first time. And I didn't just say we're struggling. I said specific things about Justin. I had never confessed before. Yeah. And they just couldn't see it. Yeah. They just couldn't see it.
0: You know, I think what's so scary about this too is ministry is so hard. You and I both know this. You've been in ministry for 20 years. I've been in ministry since I've married Aaron and 13 years. Um, It is so hard. And sometimes it can feel so alone because you feel like, If people knew this about me, then they wouldn't trust my teaching. They wouldn't believe what I write. All this kind of stuff, which are just lies that that Satan gives us to alienate us. And so I feel like that um, I have a good group of girlfriends that I could go to them and be like, guys, I looked at porn. I'm lusting. Whatever it might be. And they would they would iron sharpened iron with me right now. They would hold me accountable. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't push it under the rug. All these kinds of things would happen and we build this relationship, but I see so many times people in ministry do not have that and they are yes. so scared. So what would you say to some woman that is listening and she feels like my husband is in ministry, he's in leadership and we're struggling. I don't know what mm-hmm. to do. I feel like if I say something, it brings him down, blah, 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 you know, because you've been there. Mm-hmm. What is what your yeah. advice? Well, years ago, it's probably been
1: five years. I started hanging out. Uh, in in different circles where I was meeting pastor's wives at different conferences. And so uh, one of those pastor's wives is our senior pastor of the church we're at now. You know, I knew Brandi Wilson years before, but we had never been in an environment uh, where we were with other pastor's wives. And so she introduced me to another pastor's wife out in Vegas. Uh, Her name is Lori Wilhite. And Lori, had been there and realized that I had been there, that Brandy had been there and wanted to change it. And so she started a ministry called Leading and Loving It. And that has, I follow y'all on Facebook. Yes. And I, I would suggest to anybody, women in ministry or pastor's wife in ministry, um, if you go to just leadingandlovingit.com, um, it, it really is a community that we exist for that very reason. We, we have virtual community groups, Um, We have a blog just to encourage people because here's the reality. Even as close as Brandy and I are, we're still under the same roof of the same church. So we have to be really careful when different women hurt our feelings not Mm -hmm. to be toxic to one another. Mm -hmm. But there's something about, um, you know, you and I getting on the phone and talking about ministry wounds that I can get really ugly and you have no idea of the people I'm talking about. Right. And the gift in that is that you don't take it personal and you're not trying to sift through all those personalities. You just see me bare bones mm-hmm. to say, girl, I don't know who these people are, but your response, I love you, but you're not in a healthy place. Right. You know, it's, right. it's good accountability. Um, it's that confession leading to transformation. And sometimes the confession is being heard. Like I don't need you to fix me. Uh-huh. I don't need you to change anything. I just need to be heard, yeah. and then I need to be prayed over. And so that's kind of that's been my gift because I haven't always had that group of women mm-hmm. that you've had, which is such a gift, Jamie. I yeah. love that you have that. And then with my story, because the affair happened with my best friend, who's our children's director, it took me years to be open to those types of relationships mm-hmm. and so we were out of ministry for four years we were never going back in fact justin got a job um he was a, a headhunter or recruiter for commercial lenders and banks which is really high risk high reward and he was killing it so i mean we're going You're on like, prison clubs trips it. yes <laughs> i'm like i don't care how many people come to church on sunday right they ain't sending us the grand caymans like we're <laughs> never going back into ministry right um but it was really Pete and Brandy that um, when we planted our church, they planted Crosspoint the same year. And so we stayed connected with each other and how we were growing in our struggles, but we never shared that part of our struggles with them. And so when we were out of ministry, about three years after being out, Pete was pretty relentless. He was like, God's not done with you. You need to get back in ministry. And I'm like, thanks, Pete, but no, thank you. <laughs> Um, but Pete and Brandy represented that last little piece of what it meant to have a friendship in ministry mm-hmm. and a long-term relationship because we had known them for years. The problem was is that we ended up coming and moving to Nashville, just in coming on staff, and then in, in our only you know, way that women do – I put all this pressure on Brandy to be my everything. Mm -hmm. Like I needed her. I didn't realize that, but I needed her to be my best friend. Not like my best friend who cheated on me. I needed her to love my kids a certain way. All of these things that she finally was like, whoa, Trish.
0: You're bringing a lot of baggage into this relationship. Yeah.
1: And not one person is meant to meet all of your needs. Right. And that,
0: that took me 10 years
1: in marriage and ministry to realize that God has given us different women for different parts of who we are to love each other as a community it's that picture of being you know the hands and feet of Jesus there's a reason yeah why one person can't meet another person's needs
0: yeah because that's not what it was meant to be for one person to meet all of our needs right right um okay i love that i just recently read one of your blogs and i want to talk to you about it i actually think Justin wrote it but you live with him, so you'll get it. Um, <laughs> he wrote on here four choices that will improve any marriage. So we're talking about improving our marriage. And um, I am a fan of marriage. I love being married. I love my husband. I we We definitely have our arguments and disagreements. But for the most part, marriage has been a, a thing that we have done well in. Now, let mm-hmm. me tell you. <laughs> My list of things I'm not doing well in are long. Okay. But I loved this things right here because I'm a fan of people loving their spouses. Okay. The first thing that someone said that Justin said was assume the best about your spouse. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that for women, this is a hard one. Yep. Would you say that yep. for women more than men? I, I would. I think probably
1: in a, in a, in a totally different way. I think the way that men would come to that conclusion is different
0: mm-hmm. for women. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, because we don't always think the best about ourselves. Yeah, that's if true. If we can't think the best about ourselves, mm-hmm. how can we think the best of others? Yeah. I think sometimes we place on people, especially our husbands, that we don't think the best because we don't feel like we're enough. Mm, yeah. And so it's, it's self-protective. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm going to assume the worst. So then my feelings won't get hurt. So then it won't be that big of a big deal.
0: Yeah. I've done that before with this with Aaron when something will fall between the cracks, something on the calendar got messed up or whatever, and he fails me in some way. And Mm -hmm. I will be like, oh, he must be really angry at me about something. Maybe I'm not being a good wife. And when I finally tell him to this, he's always like, but, Jamie, that that isn't, like, a part of my character. Like, when's the last time I was mad at you so I didn't show up to an event? You know what I mean? So right. I was assuming something really bad about him instead of just talking about it. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes our past, too, plays into that. You know, Justin and
1: I were married for a year, and my parents divorced after 25 years, and my dad was my world. And so when he became this different person, I started to treat Justin as if he had already had an affair. Yes,
0: when I totally he didn't get do get anything that. wrong. I totally mm-hmm. get that. And I have put stuff on Aaron from other ways that I've been hurt that he's never done. Right. But I've assumed, right. yeah. Or I've assumed that he's going to, you know, I'm sure right. that you're going to do this. Right. Um, the second one is listen more and speak less. Oh, if you could only see my facial expression. <laughs> is this a hard one for you? <laughs>
1: um, It was in the earlier years because... I I think as a rule follower, I think rule followers tend to struggle with thinking that we do everything right and not because we're smart or we're better, but because we've just followed the rules. Yeah. That's just what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So one plus one will always equal two. For sure. So if you would change the diaper, like I told you to, (laughs) then he wouldn't have a bottom rash, but you didn't change his diaper. Uh So, you know, I'm right. I'm totally right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would yeah. say I struggle with this when we are having arguments. Um, I I admit my thing. I'll admit my wrongdoing right here. I have a hard time apologizing. I have a hard time seeing that I might be wrong. Um, and you know what's crazy is I see that in my oldest son and I'm like, Oh, dear Lord, you were just <laughs> <laughs> um but I would say I struggle with this in arguments. listen more and speak less because I just want to like get my saying out there, and this is how I feel, and, and I don't care how you feel, you know, so mm-hmm. yeah, right, or you
1: hard. you listen, but really, you're listening just to be able to respond to and you're not. Yes. yeah, right, yep, yeah, right. I think what has changed in this is just realizing that. A lot of the times what we're arguing about has nothing to do with the other person and it's about something else that happened. We're just the safest person to unleash on. Mm-hmm. And so becoming a better listener and speaking less and listening more, just it just changes the way we communicate with each other because I don't take it personal anymore. Yeah. And then I just realized it, it's almost becomes what used to be a, a, a fire starter for our you know, emotions and for fights, now has become a place of endearment. When you learn to listen, there's an endearment in realizing that your child or your spouse is trusting you enough to be real and honest. And so it causes you to want to lean into the discipline of listening rather than always kind of talking back immediately.
0: To create a safe place. That's good to remember in parenting as well, because I want mm-hmm. to be that safe place for my kids. Um, number three, stop trying to change your spouse. Yeah. This is a big one for people. Yeah. Yeah. Big one. Um, and like you said, when you pray that big prayer, like God change me. Like, I think that right there is just one of the biggest things that we can do because there are so many things. And I think too, just like looking at what is this that's bothering you about your spouse? is this something that is like life-changing? Like, is this a character issue? Is this affecting your family? Or is this just maybe something that you just, you don't do it this way? You know what I mean? And I think that the longer we're married and the older we get and the wiser is when we start to the kind of, those things kind of start to kind of level out. And I think, okay, well, when Aaron does this, you know, I don't even can't think of anything off my head, but when he does this, It bothers me and I wish he didn't do it, but it's not affecting our children. It's not affecting our family. It's not affecting our house. You know what I mean? But also if it is, you still can't change him. Right. Only God can do that. And I think that is when people figure that out, it changes your home, you know? Right. And I wish I could like sit
1: down with coffee for all of these mamas and tell them that season of life is real. It is real. If you have a two-year-old and you are pregnant, you haven't slept in two years. Mm-hmm. You know, and you it's not you been have... good for sleep ahead of
0: you. If you're pregnant.
1: No, yeah, no. And so, but it, it's it's a tough season. Mm-hmm. But you won't be in that season forever. Yeah. So figuring out, man, in this season, what is my capacity? Mm-hmm. And when you figure out what your capacity is, which you know. That means you have to stop comparing what other people are doing. You have to stop comparing, you know, the way that your children are wired or your pregnancy is going really well or really bad. That plays into how you respond to everybody in your life, regardless if it's your kids or your spouse, Right. that I think we put so much pressure that I think it's in those seasons that we forget that that's when we become, um, almost fanatical of coming after each other in the little details yeah. that in five years, no one will be in diapers. Exactly. And so we're, you are so hell bent uh-huh. on those diapers going in this bin. And in
0: five years, there won't even be diapers.
1: There won't. Right. But you'll, you'll look to the next thing to replace uh-huh. it. And so if you can figure out where you are in season of life, that helps you not become catty, in the small things Mm -hmm. and it, what it does is it keeps your perspective to not take it personal because then you get into my season of life where you have a lot more time to pour into each other. That if you're not doing it along the way, then you'll be looking at total strangers. So, and and again, it is, and it's not, not an affair. It's not, you know, not financial devastation. It's those little things that we just, great on each other's nerves. Like I wouldn't have to stop for gas and be late for my job. If you would have just put gas in the gas tank, you I know, thought it's
0: that a hundred times in my lifetime.
1: <laughs> <laughs> those yeah. are real, right. those are, those are real deals. So I'm not saying that you'll never fight, but I think it's what Justin and I have learned. And we talked about this in the book is that God uses those arguments to bring us closer together. Not to tear us apart, yeah. you know, that yeah. when we become crazy head and vulnerable with each other, you know, there's like an actual term for makeup sex. Like it's a physiological real deal,
0: Yeah, you
1: know, the, the, it's it's just a part of it. But it's in those moments where you fight about the, the stupid stuff that when you come back together, what made you fight now becomes just funny. Right. You're like, remember when, yes, exactly. remember when the two year old got into his, you know, Crayon bin and drew our whole entire house up. Like, yeah. Remember that, and yeah. we fought over. <laughs> Who looked crayon laugh, Yeah, we laugh about a whisper fighting. I don't know if you've ever whisper fought before, uh-huh. where the kids are small and you don't want to wake them up, and so you're like arguing, but you're like whispering because you don't want to wake up the kids. But
0: like, what was that? Oh, the last fight that Aaron and I had, we were at a restaurant after church with all of our children, and let me tell you, <laughs> awkward. Awkward. The kids were kind of looking, and we would, like, look at each other and kind of a whisper a thing. And then we'd go back to eating our chips and try to be good parents. <laughs> and then we would, like, do something else. And finally, my oldest was like, are y'all okay? And I was like, dang it. You can tell. <laughs> but you know what? I can't even tell you what we were fighting over. It's so dumb. Who knows? Right. But I missed out right. on a really right. good lunch with chips and salsa, all because I was mad at Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Okay, and the final one, which... I, this is so good. This is so good. The fourth way that you can the that choices that will improve your marriage. Number four is stop putting your spouse down in public. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. I, this is something that I have learned, um, in my marriage that can really, really affect my marriage and my husband. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm like a jokester, sarcastic. And there've been many times when I have made a joke at Aaron's expense Um, in front of a group of people and the way that he looks at me, it just Mm -hmm. is like a knife in my heart because he's looking at me like, why would you talk to me? Or why would you do that in front of all these people? And he doesn't have to say anything. I can just see that he's been hurt. And right. that hurts me so badly, you know? And so yeah. I have been around women that um put down their husband in front of everyone else and insult them. And it's like an awkward elephant in the room. I mean right. you can feel it. It's miserable.
1: Right. Right. I think the the confusion is, especially what we're talking about, is Okay, so then what's the difference between confession and talking bad about somebody?
0: Mm. You
1: know, or talking bad about your husband. And I you think mean the like
0: difference is confessing to a friend.
1: Yeah, well, I think sometimes we confess through sarcasm. You know? You know, imagine being in a room full of women and somebody's bragging on how awesome their husband is at, you know, fixing, you know, the car uh-huh. and you're like, Oh, well my husband, he can't even know where the toolbox is, let alone Right just funny, Uh sarcastic. But what you're really saying is my husband lets me down because he doesn't, he can't fix things and it's really frustrating. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's sometimes appropriate and sometimes not, Uh you know, sometimes we're being lighthearted and you're in a trusted room where those friends know you're being silly. Right. But there are times we've been in small group. I've seen it in different couples where, you know, a wife will just kind of make a little dig that they're, you know, oh, well, Jim's not going to pray again because he never prays. Mm. So there's this, you know, then you've just embarrassed them in front of your whole small group uh-huh. and made yourself look like the hero because you
0: pray every right. week at small right group. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah, there's a difference. Yeah. And I think what has worked well for Aaron and I is two things. Is number one is that if either one of us have done that to each other and it's happened both ways. Mm That, that, that person, what you have, they come to the other person and say, Hey, when you said this, it hurt me. And so there's that first, there's that safe place. And then being able to say what you said hurt me. And then the second thing is the person that said it, because what I want to do is like, I was just being funny. I, I was just kidding. But this, the person that said it has the responsibility to be like, I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm really sorry. You know, I always say that is like, it doesn't matter if you meant to or not. It hurt me, you know, and embarrass me right. and I would never mm-hmm. want to do that. And so the first person should be able to go to their spouse and be like, when you said that it hurt me and the other person to say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Right. You know, instead right. of defending ourselves, and be like, you can't even take a joke. I'm being funny. Then right. there's this wall that's been built. Right. Yeah. And that's why
1: thinking the best is so important mm-hmm. because if Justin, you know, said a dig about me publicly for me to be able to say to him, you know. I don't know if you realize this, but you said this and it, it really hurt my feelings. Eighty uh-huh. percent of the time, it's like I didn't even realize I right. said that. Yeah, you know, some of our biggest struggle in our marriage, even to date, is because we work so closely together. Um, we are super close that we can almost talk for each other, uh-huh. and that's not good. And right. so, if we're in a meeting, you know, we we both lead Refine Us Ministries, uh-huh. and we're talking about an area sometimes I'll speak for him or sometimes he'll speak for me. And I'm like, uh, no, I, I, I don't agree with that, right. you know? Yeah. And and so it's just, again, like all of these things that we're talking about sound very um, like a formula mm. and it's not so much a formula as it is, uh, you know, you can't heal a wound you don't give a name to. So just being able to name it and say, hey, here are four things to encourage you in your marriage. What it does is it creates awareness mm-hmm. So then when it does happen, you have a positive way to engage in it rather than either ignoring it, like Justin and I did for years and years. So when we ignored it, then I just became more resentful. And then I, I thought the worst because I knew the next meeting, he'd just throw me under the bus again. You know, it's, like, yeah. it's cyclical. Yeah. But when you recognize it and you start to say, okay, God changed me in this, this is where our faith steps in because you know, nobody knows your kids. Nobody knows your husband more than Jesus. Mm -hmm. And whether it was in a season where Justin and I were separated and I didn't even want to be married to him or where we are 10 years later, it's really been through the power of inviting God in those spaces and praying, okay, God, how do you want me to see this? Like that's, that's the God change me prayer. How do you want me to see this? And you know what? Sometimes I'm absolutely right. Mm-hmm. But if I go in there guns blazing, right, I'm going to lose out. Yeah. That oftentimes, even if I'm right, and when I spend time in prayer, it just softens me to not, you know, try and get my way, but yeah. just be able to say, hey, this happened. Yeah. Um, there's some times where I, I've prayed and God has absolutely said, do not speak this is, this isn't, I haven't called you to step into this. You are not the Messiah to him. You're not a Messiah to your kids. Mm-hmm. Just pray for him. And then something that's going on with one of my kids, they'll go to youth group and it'll be one of their, you know, um, youth pastors that's, Speaks
0: for example,
1: this past couple of weeks, our youngest has gotten in trouble at youth group for chatting. Like he's uh-huh. Like disrespectfully chatting.
0: Okay. And he's our
1: introverted one. Right. So there's a part of me that's like, score. Like, yeah. oh, he's talking. That's <laughs> awesome, you know? And then uh, Pastor Wes is like, no, this is, it's become distracting. And so it it was that, again, like what we were talking about earlier, I know better. You know, Isaiah, if you would just do this, you just need to, but again, it's like he's in that season of, okay, so what's the better choice in here? Like you have to, we'll problem solve it with you. But you have to help figure it out. Yeah. And he's like, I think I need to sit with different people. And so the next week came, got in trouble again. I was like, dude, you're not going to go back. Like, you you, you are grounded from uh-huh. going next week. And then you have to think about, I'm like, Pastor West puts a lot of time in putting this message together and you're chatting through it. Like, it's not cool. So there was a consequence in it. But then he went back the following week, just this past Wednesday. And uh, Pastor West sent us a text just yesterday and said, I forgot to tell you guys that Isaiah sat somewhere else. He did so amazing. And I went up to him and I told him, Isaiah, I see the change in you. And I'm really proud of you. And he said, Isaiah started to tear up and get emotional. Aww. I mean, that's an example where, you know, in all of this in your relationships where when you take God out of the equation, that's where we get all sideways yeah. and we're human. So we are, yeah. but whether, you know, someone listening is in a really big, deep, dark pit and their marriage isn't well, or they've got a wayward child or they're in a season like you where, where things are moving along, but you know, you're doing so great. Your kids don't even think you sin. Right. They don't even you know. know <laughs> they don't even know, but just the little things it's, It's when you pay attention, Mm -hmm. when you pay attention, when your kids are drifting from you, when you pay attention that you're drifting from your spouse, that's what changes. And that's why we wrote the book, not about how to fix your marriage after an affair, but to say, Hey, here's some things to pay attention to, because God didn't bring you together to struggle. He brought you together to thrive. Mm -hmm. I mean, in your marriage relationship, think about. Like and I know you know this, there's no other relationship where you are so completely known. Right. Like emotionally, spiritually, physically. Mm-hmm. And that's something to cherish. Like right. that, that there's beauty in that. that. No, right. no, and, and and nobody gets that with your mm-hmm. spouse. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the hope to look forward to. The problem is, is there's still babies coming and there's still diapers and there's still graduations. Like there's still life. parts. Yes. It's just life. Yeah. It's just life. And you have a choice every day to go through that life, miserable and what your spouse isn't and what your kids um, are not becoming, mm-hmm. or you have an opportunity. And that's why we loved the name beyond ordinary because it's beyond what we would choose. Mm-hmm. It's beyond what I would choose. And yeah. I wrote the book. Like, right. I know this. It's an extraordinary step to go beyond what the ordinary mundane parts of life bring us to and say, I want to be different. Yeah. And that's when the extraordinary life begins, yeah. you know?
0: Well, I i mean, I was a fan of you before I read the book, and it took me a whole year <laughs> if you gave it to me to read it. And I remember thinking, I'm going to read this book, and it's going to help me minister to people that I know that have walked through this. That's what I went into it with. Mm. And I just remember I kept, like I said already, I kept thinking, are they even going to talk about, like, what happened? <laughs> but what it did for me is it just was such a good reminder of, like you said, of what God wants from our marriage. like that that Aaron, my husband, he is not my all in all because he can never love me the way that God can love me. Um but I am committed to him. I mean it was just it was just so good and it was a healthy reminder of how we need to love our spouse as well and commit to our marriages and, you know, put in the effort to them. It, I highly recommend that so I'm hope I'm speaking well about it, but I want everyone to go get beyond ordinary. It's so good. I think it's a book that
1: If anybody married would say, I could have written this book. Yeah. It just happens to be the backdrop of our story Uh because it's just what we all go through. But what I, what I love about the book is that we serve a God who is a God of redemption Mm -hmm. and he redeems the small things and he redeems the big things and we get to walk in, in choosing that redemption. And it's hard, yeah. it's messy, uh-huh. but then it's also beautiful. And now I have almost another 10 years of marriage of the other side of the affair and devastation of really kind of um, just saying, God, you were right. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so sorry you were right this whole time. And I, I didn't trust you enough yeah. to believe that you loved me enough to be honest with who I am and all my failures to see that you, you make dead things come alive. You take beauty and you out of ashes. Mm-hmm. And I think if more of us as women in our, in our personhood, how we re- perceive ourselves, how we perceive ourselves as mom and as, as wife, that the biggest lesson I've learned in writing the book is the book is not the win. My marriage is not the win. My children is not the win. The win was the day I decided to start living out of my identity of who I am in Christ. And we are daughters of the King. Mm-hmm. We are bought by his blood. We are loved. We are cherished. We are redeemed. And when you hold on to that identity, then everything else becomes overflow. Mm-hmm. And when you get to live a life out of overflow, I get ready, girl, because your mind's going to get it's going to get blown because all of those little things that you hold on to will just fall off like scales yeah. because you'll just see it. Mm-hmm. You'll just see it and you'll name it and say, not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore.
0: Yeah. Well, that's so good. And I would encourage any woman that's listening that your story of redemption that has a big flashy sin in it that a lot of people are like, well, we don't have that in our story. But the truth of it is, it's just yours is out in the open for everyone to yeah. see. You know what I mean? I mean, I yeah. had big flashy sins, um, previous in my life. And I'm just saying it was just everyone knew about it. Whereas I have all these other sins inside that you might not ever know about, you know, cause they're not big right. and flashy anymore, but right. God is the same God, mm. the same redemption, the same, um, reconciliation and forgiveness and grace. So thank you so much for writing this. Thank you for being vulnerable with your story and thanks for coming on the happy hour. Thanks for having me. So fun. Now you get to go have fun with your little girl time.
1: I know. I know. we can get our nails
0: done. I'm so excited. That's the best. My daughter loves to do that as well. She loves it, which I think is even fun because when Aaron takes her on dates, a lot of times they end up getting her nails done. And I think it's sweet that he takes her to do that.
1: Oh, she, can I just say she is adorable. Thank you. I mean, adorable. She is
0: adorable. She is a mess. Let me just say that. I mean, we oh. always like, I always joke that like, she is going to lead people, and we just pray she's leading them to Jesus because she's going to be a leader. And so that is our prayer for her: is to lead people to Jesus.
1: That's my middle son. We said we've said for years he's 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 extreme. He's going to be in prison or the president of the United States. There's one no one or the other. Prison. Yep, yeah. So, uh, okay. That's awesome. Thank you. All so right. Much. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. YouTube. Okay. Ahead thanks.
0: Class. Guys, wasn't Trisha awesome? I loved our conversation and so much wisdom. I was taking notes when I was editing it, and I just feel like there were so many lines that she said that I just want to hold on to and remember for a long time. So I hope you enjoyed it as much. If you did, contact her and let her know how much you loved it. I know she would love the encouragement to hear that as well. When this episode airs, she's actually celebrating her birthday with a bunch of girlfriends in Florida. So let's give her some extra love. Guys, thanks for listening. I want to say thank you real quick to someone who left a comment over on iTunes. It said, The Hill Hangout is their name. It says, I'm a new listener, and I just listened to the episode with Meredith. I can't tell you how much I loved it. My heart was so moved, and I will definitely be back to hear from future guests. Thanks for a great production, Jamie. Thanks so much for your review. Like I've said before, ratings and review on iTunes help more people find the show. And we want more people at our happy hour, so I'd love it if you did that. Guys, thanks for listening. Awesome guests coming up. If you have any questions for any of these people that are coming up, let me know. I'd love to ask them for you. Um, that'd be great to send me a tweet at jamie underscore Ivy. Also, find me on Instagram at jamie Ivy. I'd love to see what you're doing love to see where you listen to the podcast, all kinds of stuff. Guys, I hope that you have a great week and I will see you next week with Jessica Thompson. Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode.